Welcome to the Smart Tech Check Podcast, hosted by Mark Vina, your home for candid, insightful, and provocative conversations about the smart home, home automation, security, smartphones, PC and console gaming, and much more. Hi, my name is Mark Vina, host of the Smart Tech Check Podcast. Today is Friday, January 20, uh, 26, 2023. Last November, it was announced that Sling Media was permanently taking its Slingbox servers down. As someone who oversaw the marketing function at Slingbox for several years, I greeted this announcement with both sadness and nostalgia. The first Slingbox launched in 2005 and forever changed the entertainment consumption landscape forever. Viewed through the lens of the early 2000s, Slingbox introduced the concept of viewing your in-home cable or satellite content outside your home in an unrestricted and convenient manner, first on PCs and then ultimately on mobile devices like smartphones and tablets. Today, that concept seems quaint as streaming content is taken for granted, especially for Gen Alpha people born after 2013, but it was game-changing and even controversial, more on that later, in 2005. Despite its disruptive impact, the Slingbox brand ultimately was much larger than its business results, and the company eventually was acquired by Echostar. Nevertheless, it was worth reflecting on the contribution that Slingbox made to the entertainment and streaming category. With that as a backdrop, let me bring a few folks up that I'd like to have on the call. And that is, uh, I've got uh, um, Jason Krikorian, who uh, was one of the co-founders of Slingbox back in the 2005 timeframe with his late brother, Blake discuss the company's birth and impact. Also joining me is noted Wall Street Journal tech, uh, tech journalist, Walt Mossberg, who, who, who covered Slingbox early in the early 2000s. And to comment on the company culture, I also have Sh- uh, Sharon R- uh, Rylander with us on the podcast, who was a senior program manager at Slingbox in the early days and played a major product and operations roles in the days leading up to the company's sale to Echo Star. Jason, Walt, and Sharon, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Good. Doing great. Thanks. Um, I'm just going to flash up for a second, you know, your wonderful credentials. You know, Jason, maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself for for the few people who don't know you, uh, because you've gone on to other things, of course, after the uh, sale to Echostar. But uh, why don't we uh, just talk a little bit about your background? Um, Yeah. I mean, just to keep keep it brief, um, (laughs) you know, after Sling, actually, in a very related move, joined DCM as a general partner. DCM was our largest investor at Sling. So um, it's the path that often happens with entrepreneurs. I've been, been investing in early stage technology companies since then. Great. And Walt, nobody knows you. Um, I, and people do know you as a crazy Red Sox fan, but maybe they don't know you, which is obviously a joke, but uh, maybe kind of, you know, um, your, uh, we'll go into the, your, your engagement with Slingbox in a few moments as one of the very early journalists that, that, you know, got exposed to the technology, but, you know, um, what are you doing now? And, uh, you know, just kind of a welcome about where you are right now. Well, um, in addition to what's on the slide, which is the, the key stuff, um, I uh, uh, retired about four or five years ago, and I'm working now uh, uh, for something, uh, a nonprofit called the News Literacy Project, where we try to teach uh, middle and high school students how to tell fact from fiction online. Uh, and that's, that's another podcast, but uh, that's what I'm doing. 
And Shannon, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast because we did not, I don't think we met each other. I was at Slingbox kind of in the, the second half of the life of the company. You were there, I think, in the very early days. Yep. So you obviously have a lot of commentary on the culture of the company that we'll get into, but tell us about yourself. Yeah, I basically connect people with technologists. So people building products with the people who will end up using them. And I do that through UX testing, beta programs, et cetera, but really more of the strategy of how that all gets laid out within a company. Kind of a startup junkie. Sling was definitely uh, <laughs> a favorite. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really thrilled to be here. Well, thanks for joining us. Well, let's let's go into the first topic here. I'll bring that slide up in a second here. And this is for you, Jason. You know, how did the concept of Slingbox come to be? I mean, what was kind of its, um, you know, what kind of led the origin. to birth, so to speak? Yeah. Um, so my brother Blake and I um, always wanted to work together uh, to found a company together. And it was born while well, we started a different company called IDA Group. It was largely a consulting company. We helped um, consumer electronics and other technology companies with product strategy, new product conceptualization and the like. Um, but we would also tool around um, on, our, on our own time with interesting products. And we were living in uh, the San Mateo area. We had a, uh, an office downtown San Mateo and we're huge sports fans. We're big Giants fans, Niners fans, Warriors, all that. <laughs> and we wanted, of course, to be able to, well, the two of us were in our office to, to watch the game. This was actually 2002 uh, or, or one. It was the, is the year the, Niner, or the uh, Giants went to the World Series and lost horribly in game six. But we had a hard time getting a satellite dish. Our landlord wouldn't let, let us put a satellite dish on the side of the uh, the building. And it occurred to us that we were already accessing some video from our home in the form of a webcam, um, kind of an early kind of security um, application. And we thought, hey, maybe we can do the same thing um, with just a different source. In this case, a cable box, a TiVo is what we were using at the time. And um, I started tooling around. I mean, I, I, for that first several months, it was me kind of maintaining the, the consulting business and Blake tooling around and creating a prototype using PC, you know, um, open source utilities and the like, um, creating a pretty reliable um, ap uh, application. And it worked fairly well. Um, our first thought, and this is in line with some of our, our previous practice, was to take it to some of our clients that we worked with. And we worked with Samsung, AOL, Microsoft, ViewSonic. And we thought, hey, maybe this is an opportunity for us to license what we were developing and, and make some money with it that way. And we thought it was an interesting way to get to market. And a bit surprisingly, um, none of them bit. Um, they were either concerned about the potential copyright issues that, that they thought might exist. Some just didn't quite understand it. Others were more interested in, in finding a way to monetize on a monthly basis. And it just didn't fit what they were looking to do. Um, and it might have died right then, um, but for the fact that a friend of ours, uh, Tammy Helm, who was doing some work with Walt um, at the time, I think Walt was, um, he can go into more detail on this, but I think Walt was um, getting ready for D2, the second year of the All Things D conference in Southern California. And Tammy was helping, I think, um, pull that together. And 
we had lunch with her and she said, I'm doing this thing. And, you know, you should show Walt this because we, we gave her a demonstration. And she said, this is pretty cool. Um, and that was awesome. I mean, this was a time where, I mean, Walt was and is a legend, um, but especially at this time, I mean, I think Web 2.0 was just getting started and, and kind of the blogosphere, et cetera. And so, you know, the one standard bearer more than anything um, was Walt's, was it a Thursday um, yeah. column you had? You know, that, that, that personal technology um, column. And so that was just extremely exciting. And, you know, I'll let Walt describe the, the interaction with Blake, but I stayed back to kind of man the servers and make, 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 every, make sure everything stayed um, on task and worked okay and, and sent Blake off to, to meet Walt, I think in DC. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, um, so that was kind of the 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 initiation, and and really, if it wasn't for for Walt, I'm not sure we'd have a company or a product or, or all the experiences that that came with that. Well, that's wonderful background information, Jason, because I think a lot of people kind of always ask, you know, how did something come to be? And, and in fact, before the call, Walt and I were kind of sharing our stories. I was very well acquainted with Slingbox before I joined the company. And, you know, I can remember very specifically watching uh, the uh, Giants beat the uh, Green Bay Packers in a uh, playoff game, in, I think it was 2008, uh, in the Ice Bowl. And I was watching it outside of Sam uh, Samsung's offices in South Korea. And I immediately knew that, you know, I'll never be able to live without something like this. It was, you know, to me, manna from heaven, you know, but uh, – Let's get into a bit of the press reaction, though, because I think that's really interesting. I guess the perfect person to talk about that really is Walt, because, Walt, you were there early on. And let's talk about your story and how you got engaged with um, Jason and company. Well, so first of all, thank you for the nice things you said, Jason. Um, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's that big. I was that big a deal, but but thanks. Um so what, what happened was um, uh, I got this call from Blake, who I don't think I knew uh, at the time at all. And I was, uh, you're right, we were pulling together the second uh, All Things D conference, the D, D conference, as, as it was called. And um, we, uh, one of the things that uh, I, I had, I had to get speakers, but I also had to get people to do demos of cool new products. In addition, of course, I was always looking for topics for my column, products to review. So Blake calls and he, and he outlines this thing, which he says can do this, can, can take your cable uh, or, uh, you know, or your recorded TiVo stuff from your house and let you watch it on a PC anywhere, basically in the world where you have a connect, where you have a, an internet connection. And I thought, well, I, I'm not sure I believe this, but, you know, he said, uh, uh, can I come out and show it to you? Because I was in D.C., you're right. And uh, he came out and he, and he showed it to me and uh, Katie Barrett. Katie was my uh, uh, tech reviewing uh, uh, junior partner and uh, very smart. And uh, um, so so Blake. Uh, I'll just, this is the short version. There's always a long version with Blake, but this is the short version. He, show, <laughs> he shows up in my office and he 
says, I said, we talked for a little bit, a little small talk. And then I said, okay, you ready for the demo? And he said, you know, I think the Wi-Fi in here is too good. It's too good. Because we did. We had better Wi-Fi than the rest of the Wall Street Journal operation in D.C. Because we needed it. And um, he said, let's, let's go around the corner to the Starbucks. Now, I suspect he had already been in the Starbucks and knew it would work there. Uh, I, I, I certainly <laughs> would have. <laughs> right, Jason? I, I mean, that's oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I, I certainly sure. hope so. <laughs> we go into the Starbucks. Now, the thing about the Starbucks, of course, was, and remember, this is 2004, I think, yeah. or something like 2004. that. 2004. He, he, the Starbucks had worse Wi-Fi coming into the Starbucks than in my office and way more people using it. So the, the bandwidth was much worse. And that was his point. And so we, we squeezed into one of those tiny Starbucks tables. We got lattes. And he opens up his laptop. And, and the next thing we know, we're watching cable TV from uh, a house. I guess it was his house or your house. I don't know. Somebody's house. Sharon. House. I don't know. In, uh, in uh, Silicon Valley. And we're watching it in a Starbucks in the in you know two blocks from the White House in D.C. And I thought that was pretty great, pretty cool. I wasn't even thinking about sports yet at the time. Just just the idea that the TV was whatever was on on TV live at whatever time in the afternoon this was 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 coming in. And then then and I and I, I actually called Katie my 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 uh, uh, ex. Uh, reviewing partner this morning to try to remember which country he had. He had he had a slingbox in a house in some foreign country. Do you remember what it was? Probably Jason? India. India. It was probably Bangalore, yeah. India. I thought it was India, and and yeah. and so there's a TV broadcast coming in, not in English, or partly in English and partly in some other, you know. And I and it was in India. And he said, "This is in. This is coming in from India." And it was it was pretty incredible, and and um, he sent me one. Uh, I tested it, uh, and did, I did two things at that point. I I put him on stage at the you know I arranged to put him on stage at the D conference because I had complete control over which products we demoed and which product. They, it was essentially for a lot of companies a launch platform if they got on that stage because we had this extremely premier group of not only speakers, you know, Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and all those people spoke at the conference on a regular basis, but the audience was full of VCs and founders and journalists and, you know, all, everybody was there. And uh, I, I, I will remember, I will tell you that he got up. I, I, I can't remember if you were, were you there at that? I was there, yeah. You were there. Were you on stage? Not on stage, not yeah. on stage. So he gets up on stage and he does the demo. And I was on stage, the way these demos worked was that uh, Karen and I were on stage with him or I was on stage alone, I can't remember. And um, he, uh, he does the demo and I'm pretty sure that the first thing I said to him was, how much money have you set aside for legal costs? Yeah, that was definitely up there. <laughs> uh, because I just figured, I mean, 
the, the, the networks and the rights holders, the studios hated the idea of TiVo, which was up and running and was doing time, time shifting, but you were doing place shifting. You were essentially retransmitting uh, that broadcast. Now, obviously, uh, whoever had a sling box was already paying uh, for it uh, legally, but still you were retransmitting it because the contract which you signed as a cable uh, user probably didn't allow you to send it somewhere else. Anyway, he laughed and he, and he said he didn't expect any problems, I think, something like on that order of that. Maybe you said it, I don't know. And uh, they never, I'm, one, one quandary that I always had is why weren't you sued out of business? For this this was fantastic I, mean, I, th I thought it was probably going to be a 50 50 chance that we we end up um in that but just you know one other thing about kind of the the run-up to the conference i mean when blake got back from dc he said i mean we didn't have anything we didn't have any money we didn't have, even have a name we, we just had this idea and he says you know walt wants us to show the, the conference and this is two months away and we didn't and and he wants to review the product when it comes out and at that, so at that point, we had to make a decision, like, do we take Walt up on this thing? And I mean, long story short, like after a lot of deliberation, it's like, this is too great of an opportunity. So we, it was two months of sprint to figure out the name, what are we going to call this thing, get it up and going. Um, and it was, it was exhilarating. It was great. But I think, well, to get to your to question, because I think that's the other side, like the initial media reaction, like there was the media, like Walt, um, and you know how would the, how was the product received um, on, from a consumer perspective? But then there was the, the media from the business side, and um, you know it was fascinating. I think, like you said, it was an interesting time. In addition to TiVo, it, we were also right on the heels of Napster. The Supreme Court was about to find, um, about to hear the, the case of Grokster, um, and I think actually that helped us a lot. I think. In, in those cases that those were techn those are technologies that were allowing for maybe what you'd call indiscriminate redistribution to lots of other people. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, it's very C to C was the kind of the thing. And we were, what I tried to call, it never really stuck, but me to me, which is like, I got this stuff and I'm just giving it to myself. Oh, that was, else. that was a pretty good slogan. I don't remember hearing that. Our, it never well, stuck. I don't know. I probably um, would have stuck it in the comp. Uh, I, I will just say, Mark, I know, I know I want to hear from Sharon and I know you have other things to say, but <laughs> I just want to, I just want to, I looked up the column, I printed out the 2005 column. Yes. Ancient paper print, you know, <laughs> and um, I talked about the tests. I watched a Red Sox game because unlike Mark, I root for a better team. For character. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Walt. I, I watched a, a Red Sox game. Remember, this is 2004, which was yeah. the year the Red Sox broke the 86-year curse. I, I watched a game in uh, Tokyo. Well, I was in Tokyo, and I was similar to your Samsung story, but I was in Tokyo, and I watched a Red Sox game. Uh, I watched uh, um, stuff in my office from my home, which was about a dozen miles away, and then... Uh, I watched uh, CNBC live on a laptop on a public Wi-Fi connection. And then I was in Boston and I watched a Washington Nationals baseball game that was unavailable uh, in Red Sox country up there. 
And um, and I watched this Red Sox game from from Tokyo, which was fantastic. And I used the com to to talk about place shifting, which is what I think this was. People were getting I used to the idea of time shifting, but I uh, I talked about place shifting. And I'll just say one more thing. The column ends, and I said I had gone through some of the issues because there were a few issues um, that I knew about. You probably knew about many more issues that were going on be, behind the things you had to put out fires to fix. But I just said, um, uh, still, I really like the sling box and can heartily recommend it to roaming TV lovers. It is a very good product that finally makes TV play shifting a reality. So that was, that was my first experience with it. And I'm, I'm glad. No, I, I appreciate that. Well, that's a wonderful um, perspective. And the only, and what I want to do is, I want to show a few commercials over the the over the Slingbox era that will go into the next topic we're going to talk about, and that was the messaging challenges with Slingbox. Because if you put a 2004, 2005 hat on, televisions were far were far different. They didn't have smart interfaces. They still had composite connections. They were, uh, the, you know, attaching a Slingbox was not a, a, it wasn't impossible to do, but it was it required a, a little bit of work to do and to do it correctly especially from a remote control uh, standpoint. And then you had, you had the issue of, um, you know, you had some of the issues that Jason brought up in terms of, Hey, you know, that when you look at the television industry back in 2002 or three, they were horrified by what streaming could, could potentially do. They certainly had a lot of heartburn over extending your paid cable experience outside the home. Um, that whole fair use issue, which ultimately um, prevailed but it was a totally different world. And, you know, streaming was, was starting to ramp back then with the likes of Netflix and others. But let me pull up some of the commercials and then we're going to get, and Sean, we're going to pull you in and we'll talk a little bit about some of the messaging challenges to this. So here's the first commercial. Break lights out. Well, let's pull them over. Oh, come on. The, the game's on. Okay. Please pull your vehicle to the right. Come on, get outside. Get outside. Hands, hands up. Come on, three-pointer. The Slingbox <laughs> lets you watch your home TV through the internet on your laptop or mobile phone. Post up, post up. What are you talking about? Slingbox. Now that commercial uh, was before I arrived on the scene. And um, what we did was we, we uh, when I uh, got the Slingbox, one thing we tried to you know, drill down on is we did know based on survey information that we did that people who did have a sling box were incredibly loyal. I mean, you couldn't pry it out of their dead hands if you tried. So our agency came up with an interesting campaign that actually did get a lot of clicks and a lot of views back in the day. So let me bring up this uh, commercial as well. Hello, I'm Dr. Tatad. And I'm here to talk to you today about Quap. Can't watch anywhere pain. Those who suffer from Quap believe they can watch live television anywhere but then they find out that they can't maybe their shows aren't available outside the u.s or even their own office maybe the channels that are available aren't even worth watching and maybe that app they just purchased only streams in certain regions or worse yet streams so slowly that the game they're trying to watch is over before it even loads what then quap can lead to symptoms like confusion frustration even chronic cable fatigue. Are you up to your eyeballs in Quap? Because if so, you're not alone. 
and it's not your fault. I'm here to let you know that Quap is common. It affects millions of TB lovers all over the world, just like you. Take my patient John, for example. John's from Philly, but as a sales guy, he travels a lot for his work. John recently found himself in Phoenix on the Eagles opening day. No problem, he thought. He had just purchased that fancy sports app that plays all the local games live. But sadly, when John tried to launch the app, the only game he could get was the Cardinals. Wrong birds. John soon discovered what millions of others already know, that to the app, anywhere <laughs> really means only somewhere. And now John has a real bad case of the quap. Another patient, Jenny, often travels with her family to her vacation cabin in Regina, Canada. Seriously, it's real. Look it up. I couldn't believe it either. While visiting Regina, Jenny wanted to keep the kids out of her hair on a rainy day with her streaming TV app from her cable company. Imagine her surprise when she discovered that the services she pays for won't stream outside the US. Not even the beaver capital of the great white north counts as anywhere to big cable. Now, Jenny has the quap, but no more, because the cure for quap is here. Slingbox. With Slingbox, any content on your TV is available live on any device anywhere in the world. So don't put up with quap. You deserve to watch TV any way you want. Get Slingbox at slingbox.com or a retailer near you and visit don'tgetquap.com or find us on Facebook. With Slingbox, if it's on your TV, it's on. I think that was that was probably after we sold the company. So I don't even, I don't even recall. No, that. no, not... it was it was after uh, the uh, the Echo Star um, purchase. It was during that era, and I remember some of the and you know some of these names. And I won't mention them on the Echo Star management team, which was a yeah. very conservative lot, as you probably know. Uh, they were they thought that ad was pretty edgy. <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually surprised that that you ran it. I mean, and that was after I left the company. But it actually just reminds me briefly, our very first ad was in print in the USA Today. That's a sign of the times. And it was a half-page ad, and it said, introducing the Slingbox, uh, the best thing to happen to a traveling businessman since pay-per-view porn. And we got calls from Best Buy execs and CompUSA execs, and they're like, no, no, yeah. don't do that. So that was that was the last of that. Well, Jason, I will tell you, because you alerted me to this this morning, I was aware of this other ad that I'm going to show for a second. And your brother had a wonderful sense of humor. I, you know, I, 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 I think I met him once uh, when we had a Slingbox party. But um, this ad, which I know you had never ran, you know, yeah. you talk about edgy. So let's, let's, let's show that real quickly, because I think it, it is a wonderful ad. My name is Blake Krikorian. People often ask me how the Slingbox came to be. Well, the answer is complex and surprising. Okay, you dudes are telling me this thing turns nuclear waste into drinkable water. And this one can actually reverse global warming. Hmm, pretty sweet. And this thing lets you watch your home TV through the internet on your computer or mobile phone. Anywhere. Are you kidding me? I'll take this one uh, in exchange for what we uh, talked about. That's a lot bigger than we agreed to, guys.
As you can see, great sacrifices have been made. So please, buy one. And cut. God, things I do for this company. It's like, guys, just. Blake. Uh, that was the very <laughs> definition of edgy, I think. Um, probably would today that would be G-rated if you look at some yeah, of the totally. stuff. Yeah, but that was that um, to me, that was Blake. Mm -hmm. that, that was a pretty good. I know it was a scripted commercial, but I could have seen him almost ad-libbing that. For sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. So Sharon, let's talk about that for a moment. You know, the, the Slingbok audience. Uh, the messaging challenges, because the, the interesting thing about all these ads, and this, again, was during a time period where pe we, well, at least when I was at Slingbox, we had a lot of trouble convincing people mm -hmm. that streaming was different from what Slingbox did. I mean, if you didn't have a satellite or a cable subscription, Slingbox really had no value. But we constantly had that issue. Oh, if I buy a Slingbox, you know, can I can I stream? Uh, Netflix, can I stream other stuff that was coming online at the time? So can, can, can you comment a little bit about the messaging challenges you think that kind of arose? Yeah, I think anytime you have a disruptive technology, it's really hard to describe that value because it literally has never existed in the world before. So there's no model. Mm -hmm. The closest thing we had to it at the time was TiVo. We were kind of on the heels of TiVo and they had time shifting. So it made sense that we were place shifting, but still that concept was so hard for the ordinary person to, to really understand until they experienced it. Right. Yeah. And no, I that, think was the that was the interesting thing is, is that we, we had research that once you played with Slingbox, mm -hmm. you never wanted to go back, but you needed a cable subscription and, and, uh, or a satellite subscription. And some of the issues that Walt raised in his review were certainly issues as well that, you know, it wasn't the easiest product to set up. Um, and of course, at the, in the early days, you had to view content on your laptop uh, with a Windows app. And I think they had a Mac app, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. But yep. then the uh, then the uh, mobile device apps uh, came online later. And to me, that kind of blew the water off things that you could watch your at-home content on an iPad or an iPhone. I mean, to me, that was absolutely um, remarkable. Yeah. You know, it, it was a... Um a kludge product in many ways, right? Mm -hmm. It was like a moment in time technology. And to your point, Mark, like the setup was not easy. There was like a ton of dependencies, right? And Sharon drove like you know, generations of beta tests. And so she was at the forefront of this, but my, well, I suspect that a reason why you went to the Starbucks instead of in your um, Wall Street Journal office was because of maybe some network security. Like there was a lot that we had to do to make the port forwarding work on the outbound to make sure that it worked yeah. on the inbound. And, and a lot of that was because we took some steps to avoid relay servers and things to make sure that it was point to point to keep us in the clear legally, at least what we thought. Well, we actually, uh, uh, just to correct that, uh, I mean, your, your point mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense for most offices, but yeah. I had, I had insisted that we have a completely separate consumer type Wi-Fi network in my office. That makes sense. With, yeah. Which was not under the control of the IT. Okay, got it. I The deal is <clears throat> that, well, if you do that, we're not responsible for it. I said, I don't want you even touching it. Yeah. I'll deal with it like it's in my house. Mm -hmm. And if if there's a problem I can't solve, I'll, I'll call the, you know, the, the cable provider. Right on. But we actually, 
and 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 I and that when they push back at me, I said, look, I review products for consumers, so I need to have a, a in the office sure. the same setup they would have at home. So, but Blake may not have known that. I may not have told him that. Yeah. And and so you guys may have just said better to get out of this environment and uh, into a Starbucks. But it, yeah. it made it the demo much more dramatic. The, the, the last topic I want to hit, and I want to start with uh, Sharon on this, mm-hmm. and this is the thing that was re- it's been remarkable to me, honestly, because I got there kind of the second half of the, uh, the life of the company up to its sale to, um, to DISH, the second sale, I should say, or the, the transition to DISH Networks. Let's talk about the company culture because, the, 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 it, you know, companies have all distinct cultures. You know, Apple has a culture. Google has a culture. Dell has a culture. And what I always was fascinated with 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 uh, sling media is the dedication of folks mm-hmm. tremendous engineering talent you know many many folks were there for um for the duration of the of the longevity of the company and Sharon could you comment a little bit about that because it was absolutely remarkable and I will tell you you know I again I don't think I ever if I I may have met, met Blake once but you know they were even if you talk to slingbox employees today they talk about Blake, they talk about Jason in almost reverent, and I'm not trying to make you blush, Jason, but they almost talk in almost reverent terms. So what was the secret there, Sharon? Because you were there during the early days. It's true. Everything you're saying is spot on. Uh, Blake, rest in peace, was larger than life. And everybody wanted to do whatever they could to just be a part of that party. And I remember when I, before I got to Sling, I was that annoying person who would send emails over the weekend so that they were first <laughs> at the top of the inbox on Monday morning. My first weekend at Sling, I did that. And I immediately got responses back. <laughs> I thought, oh, I've met my match. <laughs> I'm, I'm either at the right place or the wrong place. Um, the dedication was very high for sure. Uh, and we also all respected each other a lot. We, we, it was very fast paced. We got in a lot of arguments, but they were always done in a respectful way because at the end of the day, we knew we would end up with the best product. And that was at its core driven by Blake's passion. We knew no matter how hard we were working, he was working harder. And then Jason was there. (laughs) It was like the, uh, Uh, I was there too. No, I know. Yeah. Blake was just the driver. I mean, the enthusiasm and joy for what we were doing. I think Blake Short showed more enthusiasm than almost anyone I've ever known. Um, and then I think the other principle might be like empathy for the consumer, mm. uh, because especially because we were creating a product that we knew was going to create some challenges depending on your setup. And we we're all in the end of the day, super enthusiastic consumers. And we've had a thousand bad experiences as consumers where you're just like, you think to yourself, did anybody use this product that helped make it? Because it's unbelievable, right? So, and that was why, you know, Sharon's role functionally um, was so important, right? Right close to the the consumer. And then I think what I've shared with Sharon before is like, I think any company culture, what's, what's, it's top down, but I think what's even more critical, I think, is to have people in the organization that can repeat it and amplify it throughout. And Sharon was a great example of that. Um, Both Blake and I commented on that often and we're super grateful to have Sharon and and others like her uh, in the company. 
Wow. Thank you. Yeah, I will never forget you two saying that. It blew me away at the at the buyout. You kind of both really made a point to go around to everybody individually and tell them how much you appreciated them and and for what and all that sort of thing. And and which in and of itself meant a lot, right? That's how close we all were and felt like family and it's all cliche, but it was, it, we all really experienced that. Um, and when you got to me, I just, <laughs> I, I was so unexpected to hear that, but it was uh, very appreciated. Well, you know, you know, what's interesting is that as someone who covers a lot of high tech companies out here in the Valley and who have uh, met a lot of senior, very senior people at the CEO level, those are not common traits that you see you know, at a leadership level, that uh, that empathy feeling, not only for the consumer or the customer, that's, I think those are important points, but the employee population as well. And I also think it's a function of the fact that folks were, they were work when you're working on a product that you know is going to move the needle. I mean, this is not a USB drive. This is something that really, I think, changed the way people live their lives in a more productive and entertaining way. I think it was, uh, I think that's reflective of the employees that you attracted to the company. And, uh, just in the couple of minutes we have left here, Walt, how do you think Slingbox will be remembered? I mean, you know, if you had to kind of look back, you know, a couple of thoughts on that, maybe. Um, I think it was, I think it was one of the, uh, one of the kind of landmark products, but it, it, it probably won't be remembered as, as, as well as it should be because it had a, as, as a couple of you have mentioned, um, it did not have an enormous broad base of, of users. I mean, it, it was every, every tech journalist wrote about it and wrote about it again. Every time a new one came out, you know, you, how many, I don't know how many times you were in my office, Mark, with, you know, after the sale or the. With other products. The, 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 you know, I became less and less interested the more it got consolidated into a big cable uh, or satellite company. But um, the uh, I think it should it should be remembered as one of the one of the breakthrough uh, products. Uh, but uh, I think there are probably are a lot of people who don't. Well, certainly, younger people don't know about it. Sure. They don't. They don't. They have no young people. It, it it's odd that it even ha needed to exist. That's that's correct. And <laughs> and and they can't conceive of a world where there wasn't streaming. Even right. though I I personally think streaming is, and I'm not the only one. I mean, people that know m more about streaming than I do think it's in trouble. Uh, you just can't quite see it yet, but it's in trouble. Uh, but uh, you know this uh, this was a really cool that word really applied an important uh, product. Uh, thank God you weren't sued out of existence. And um, uh, I just, w I just wish uh, more people would know enough to recognize that. Uh, Sharon, your thoughts on how Slingbox will be remembered? Sling Media? Uh, well, right now the, the reality is the Sling brand is out there. And so I get a lot of comments from, you know, people who are pretty far away from what we were all doing back then who are like, oh, you, you didn't you work, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> that's kind of funny. But I, honestly, I think internally it's uh, the Big Lebowski. 
is how we're going to remember it. <laughs> the company. <laughs> interesting, yeah. interesting, interesting analogy. Yeah. Jason, just to kind of wrap this up, what do you, um, how do you, how would you like Sling uh, remembered given you know, your contribution, your brother's contribution? You know, I mean, as, yeah. as Karen rightfully said, you know, the Sling name still lives on with their streaming service, which added more confusion while, while there was overlap there. I know because I was there managing that whole transition. But Jason, just to kind of wrap it up for us, how do you think the company yeah. will be remembered? Well, I think uh, broadly in terms of like the industry impact, et cetera, I think if it, <clears throat> I agree with Walt, I think it's, it's a bit of a footnote in history, but I do think at the time we might've helped accelerate the movement towards streaming. I think the, <clears throat> the media industry broadly had just been through a period with audio music where they lost control. Um, and while they weren't that threatened by what we were doing, because of the way we contained it. Um, I think it made it pretty clear that, okay, we're, we, if people are going to start streaming to themselves, like let's get ahead of this and let's actually serve them with offerings that make sense. So I was pretty proud that things like Hulu kind of came on really fast on the heels of what we did. Um, so that was great. And then I, but I think, you know, it'll also have a legacy just with the people that were involved and, you know, it's, it's Blake's legacy more than any. And, um, just, you know, energy, enthusiasm, and innovation, and just happy to be part of it. It was a great, great experience for, in my life. Well, guys, listen, really, thank you for, uh, you know, contributing to the podcast. They really, we went over by about 10 minutes, but who cares? Because the, the content's great. And as I, I think, I think it's a suitable way to, um, to uh, remember the company. Uh, thanks for taking the time to join me for today's podcast. For our viewing and listening audience, please make sure that you, um, that you hit the like and subscribe buttons at the end of today's podcast. Hit those big uh, QR codes to subscribe to my newsletter and to the podcast if you like the content, and I hope you do. And please follow me on Twitter, at Mark Guy. And until next time, have a great week, and thanks again, guys. Thank you. Thank you, thanks. Mark.